onward and upward. Onward and upward. Which way you, what direction are you moving in? If you got your Bibles, I'd like you to turn with me to Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. And then we're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. So we'll keep it in the same number. We'll just change books. <laughs> Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. Not as though I had already attained, either were ready perfect, but I follow after. If that, I may apprehend that which I have also apprehended for Christ Jesus. Brethren, I cannot myself, or excuse me, I count not myself to have apprehended. But this one thing, I do. Forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forth to those things which are before I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. We see here that Paul's goal was to know Christ, to be like Christ, and to be called of Christ. This goal absorbed all his energy. This is an example for us. We should not let anyone take our eyes off of God. Nobody should distract you from the goal that Jesus has set before you. With the single-mindedness of an athlete in training, we must lay aside everything harmful for the sake of distracting us from completing the call that Jesus called Christians to fulfill. But we live in a world today that is distracting us by many different means. Whether it's by the newspaper, whether it's by the television, whether it's by social media. They've, they've all ramped up to another step to cancel culture. All these things that seem to be pulling us away. But we know that Paul had reason to feel sorry about his past because, in fact, he held the coats of those who had stoned Stephen, the first Christian martyr. We have all done things in our past that we are ashamed of. And we all live for the tension of what has, I should say, is what we brought upon ourselves. Paul, he admits his imperfections. Not as I had already attained. He makes no claims for being perfect here. Church, we're not perfect. In fact, we're a long way from it.
if somebody walks up to you and just starts talking to you about their life and talking about how perfect they are and how perfect things are, run. Because rest assured, there's a snare or a net that's going to snap you up and totally distract you from everything that God has set your foot to go forward with. Paul kept pressing on. We should keep pressing on. Even with the news that I shared with you this morning, it makes me that much more eager to press on, to move forward in what Christ has called me to do. I want to do it now with more vigor, with more urgency than I ever have before. Paul wanted to be more like Jesus. What is your desire? What is your goal? This morning, if I asked you this morning, if I put you on the spot and said, what is your goal this morning? What would your response be? My goal is to be more like Jesus. I have that same desire that Paul had. I can't speak for you. But my deepest desire is to be like him. If you asked yourself, and only you can answer the question, how do our goals compare to those of Paul's? Weakness wins the prize. Weak ones must resist completely in their stronger faith compensates for our feebleness. And, and how is that? We trust. When we're weak, we trust God. We go to God because there's, no, there's nowhere else to turn. I think that there are times in our life, church, that we, we want to know God's plans. We want to know where God's, what God's plans are for us. But I tell you, those plans are coming. As I've said so many times, the best is yet to come. I mean, we only have to go up from here. Praise God. You can only go up from here. No matter how down you get, you can only go up. When the rapture takes place, we're going up. But I want you to turn with me now to uh, 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 12. Now if any man build upon the foundation gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, stubble, every man's work shall be made manifest. For the day shall declare it, because it shall be revealed by the fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what his sort it is. If any man's work abide which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. 
two sure ways to destroy a building are to tamper with the foundation or to build with inferior materials. We, church, are working on building the body of Christ. There are materials that God has given us to help build the body of Christ. And that's the word of God. But we see here, we're talking about this particular building. You cannot build a true church on any person or principle except Jesus Christ. You see, we have to evaluate each person that we come in contact. Now, I'm not saying judge them, because the Bible says you will know them by their fruits. You will know who they are and how they are. The Lord has a plan for every life. No life brought on this earth has skipped his view. He knows about each and every life that has taken a breath and that has not taken a breath. Jesus knows about each one. He also promises materials for us to use to fulfill his plan. That, that nugget of truth here, he has. And that's the Bible. The Word of God. Faith provides a foundation on which we can build. How many of us this morning can say, I trust solely in Jesus Christ and he alone. I can say that this morning. I trust everything that he has to say and everything that he does. We choose building materials to use. And we have to, we have to choose these building materials carefully. It's kind of like cooking. If you use the wrong seasonings in cooking, your food's not going to taste right. Okay, let me give you a little for instance. This past week was a rough week in our house. Because I did some cooking and Sharon did some cooking. And, and you know, how many, how many have salt shakers in their home besides me? Okay. Now, when you go to the store and you buy salt, it comes in a blue, a blue carton, mostly. Well, mine came in a light blue carton because I got sea salt. All right? And if you buy sugar, a lot of times it comes in the same container, kind of like light blue. Well, the salt shaker got empty, so I filled it up. And so I was cooking some eggs this week. Because, you know, I talked about eggs last week in my sermon. So I thought I would cook me some eggs this week. And, and I put salt and pepper on them and fried them up. And, and, and I started eating them. And I said, honey, these eggs are bad. They don't taste good. So I threw them out. I threw out the whole carton. Because I figured the eggs were bad. The dog wouldn't eat them. So the next night we have chicken and rice. And I took a bite of the chicken. I said, oh. So I put some salt on it. I like, I like the salt. I, I, it's so bad about that. But it's sea salt. It's good for you. So I put the sea salt on there and I'm, I'm eating. I'm like, what you guys spice the chicken with? It's awful sweet. So I didn't eat much more. Bella loved it. She tore it up. 
So the next night we had hamburgers and french fries. And man, it was, I was cooking it and stuff and I got it out and I put salt on the french fries because it came out of the oven. I love salted french fries. And, and so we're eating them and I'm like, they don't taste right. Even the hamburger don't taste good. So Sharon comes over and she starts eating the french fries. She goes, who put sugar on the fries? I'm like, what? So I open up the salt shaker and I stick my finger in there, stick it to my tongue, and I filled up the salt shaker with sugar. No wonder why nothing tasted good. What, what a life I leave in my home. But I fixed it. I emptied out the whole salt shaker and left it empty. This way, I got a little container that has, it, it says sea salt on it. So I just used that. I won't make the mistake twice. I can't wait to see how our food turns out this week. But we choose building materials to use. Some wisely choose valuable materials like gold and silver and precious stones. When you begin to think about the foundations of heaven and it talks about all the jewels that, that lay upon the foundation of heaven and, the, and the, the gates made of pearl. One big pearl is one gate. That pearl had a, that, that oyster had a rough life. And then we speak of building materials that are, that are of lasting value. And these are gold and silver and, and precious stones. These are, these are things that last forever. They don't, they don't rust away. They don't get corroded and, 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 and disappear. But some choose temporary or trivial building materials like wood and hay and straw. You know, stubble. These building materials will disappoint any builder. Matter of fact, they'll disappoint the Lord. The only, the only thing that would like that are the termites. Because they just have come in and start eating away. You see, we should examine our building materials often. You know, I, I, I had an opportunity to see a house this week and uh, somebody's doing work on their house and and I went and I saw it and I, I was amazed at how good it looked for the age that it was. And so they began to tell me that they had built the house and they built it a certain way. Using quality material. Why? Because they wanted it to last a long time. A home is a, is a very pricey object. A home is something that we have to live in. And you don't want something that's going to be letting all the cold air in. You don't want something that's going to be letting the varmints in. The bugs in. Trust me, if we had a bug in our house, my wife would move out. So I know there are no bugs in the house. She's still there. But we choose these building materials carefully. We're called to construct lives so that we, so we must be careful about how we build lives. What are you doing when you're reaching somebody for Christ? How are you reaching them? What are you doing for them? How are you, 
How are you building them up? You see, we're to build one another up in, in, in the ways of God. We're, we're to build one another up with the Word of God. We're to build one another up so that we can stand strong and stand firm upon the foundations that God has planted in our lives. See, because we know that rewards await those who build with care. Good builders build up the lives of others, not tear down. We're, we, need to be, we need to be careful as not to be critical of others. I know there's a lot of people that, that don't want to be critical of others, but they are. I love it when they say, now I don't mean to be critical, but, and then they just go on with it. And it, it floors me because it's like, well, you were just being critical. If you don't mean to be critical, don't be critical. Don't judge. Don't, don't tell people how to do things. Let God tell them how to do it. Amen. See, the problem is we're starting to buddy, we're starting to be the we're being the, the little gods for God. Well, God told me to tell you this. Did he really? Or is it something that's been bothering you and you want them to change? So it came from you and you want to use God as the, as the backprop. That's what a lot of people do. Especially those that come around, thus saith the Lord. Be careful about that. They set an example of trusting in God always. How many times have you said, I trust God? And you've allowed others to see that you are truly trusting God. You see, we have to trust God on a daily basis. You have to trust God when you get up in the morning that you're not going to stub your toe. You're going to have to trust God in the morning that that salt shaker really has salt in it. You know, what is it? Looks can be deceiving. When people see you, are they being deceived? You know what I'm saying? You see, there's a lot of people who play Christianity. A lot of people say they love God. A lot of people say they trust God. But if you examine all the areas of their life, you took time to say, you'd say, where's their trust? Where's their faith? Where's their confidence? You see, my trust is in the Lord. That's how all of our, our lives should be. We should be trusting in the Lord. Their proof is living to the glory of God. When you, when you, when you, Come through a trial or a fire. Do you say, praise God, he brought me through? Or do you say, boy, that was luck. You see, I don't believe in luck. I think it's God. I don't think it. I know it. It's God. God brings you through. His word declares to us all the time that he will bring us through. The rewards given to those builders that will last forever. What, when, I, when I want to encourage somebody, when I want to share with someone, when I want to think about how I'm building somebody up in Christ, what am I giving them of lasting value that they're going to hold on to, that they just can't wait to be in the presence of God? Amen. I want to give them eternal life. How can I give them eternal life? I can't, but Jesus can. So what can I give them? I can give them Jesus. I can lead them to the cross. 
I can show. You know, when you think about the number of people that you deal with every day, how many of them do you share with about your faith? How many people do you share with about your faith? Okay, let's not go every day. How about once a week? How many times during the week do you share with somebody about your faith? Or maybe, okay, I see still some down looks. How about every, we'll go every month. You see how it's working? The further and further we get away from sharing God, the further and further away we're getting from bringing people to the cross. I believe that when we think about people who build up their church, we begin to think about builders who impact their families for, to, to live for Christ. The neighbors, the neighborhoods, the cities, the states, they can all be changed for Jesus Christ. And church, we need to get on fire about this because you see what's taking place. Things aren't getting better, they're getting worse. And the more worse they get means the closer Jesus is to coming. So we need to get on business, we need to get on fire about bringing people to Christ because the time is short. I know we've been preaching this for centuries. We've been preaching this since Jesus was here the last time. But you know what I've noticed? There's nobody standing around gazing into heaven, waiting for Jesus to return. Matter of fact, the churches are slowly shrinking up. I think that the worst thing we could have ever done as the body of Christ was to close churches because of a pandemic. You know what we told the world? God won't protect us. That's exactly what we told the world. When we closed up, we said God won't protect us. I am so thankful to each one of you that, that you have stood your ground and that you showed up to church and you worshiped the living God. Because what it told me as your pastor is that you trust God. Sure, we took all the proper requirements. I mean, I'm not a lawbreaker. We took the proper requirements, but we were showing the world that we were still going to worship our God. That we were not going to shy away. We were not going to fall back. And we were not going to skip meeting together as some would be doing. We continued to live for the glory of God. We continued to be the people that God has called us to be into worshiping Him. Church, that's what it said. That's what we said to the world. And we have to keep taking that stand. You know, it, there are people still even today go, so your church is back open? They still say this to me. That, I said, we never closed. Well, what do you mean you never closed? I said, we never closed the door. We, we still had church. Well, didn't you, don't you care about the people that go to your church? 
I said, we took the precautions. I said, I can tell you for almost eight months, every Saturday, I was in here sanitizing these chairs every Saturday night before you showed up Sunday morning. Why? Because I wanted to take the proper precautions. I don't, I, I, I care about you as a person and I care about your soul to Christ. I think that if we become strong builders, I think that if we continually take a hold of the word of God and we become strong builders for Jesus Christ, I think we can actually impact the communities that we live in. We can. I believe that with all my heart. How do I know that? Because Christ said so. I think, church, that we need to, we need to put on our, a different concept. We need to start getting outside the box. We need to start, again, witnessing for Jesus Christ. And I'm going to help you do that starting next week. I got a thousand pens in my car. A thousand this time. And guess what those pens say on them? Jesus loves you. My favorite slogan. Matter of fact, it's become such a good slogan that the National Pen Company, when they mail out these little cards to all these churches now, it has our slogan on there. All those cards that get mailed out it says, Jesus loves you. And it even has our church name, Victory Fellowship Church. And underneath that now, instead of our phone number, I have govictoryfellowship.com. That way people can go online and they can see what we're about. Let's go to the next step, right? If we're going to witness, we need to be fervent witnesses. And somebody gave me money to help pay for those pens. I couldn't believe it. But you know what? That's God. If God wants the message out there, he's going to give you the equipment. He's going to give you the materials in which to witness with. Amen? A lot of people say, why do you use pens? Well, I use pens because nobody throws pens away. Everybody needs something to write with. Unless they use their phone. I could get little phone cases that say, Jesus loves you. They could put it on their foot, but they'd never look at it because they always looking at the front and never looking at the back. Everybody else will see it. But their hand covers it. Listen, there are tools to be effective witnesses. And you know what the best tool is for being an effective witness? You. You are the best tool. You are the best tool because you have had an experience with the living God. And when you have an experience with the living God, you are the best tool to use to witness to the world that we live in. Because you know what he's done for you. I know what he's done for me. And I love to share that with other people. I can't wait to tell other people about what God has done for me. That's where we should be, church. So when you begin to think now about the building materials that God has given you through the word of God, what are you going to use to witness to the world that we live in? Hopefully, the knowledge of God's word that he's imparted into your heart, you can impart into someone else's life. That's what we need to do. That's how we need to be effective. When I think of Memorial Day and, 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 the, and the men and women that have given their lives, that we could 
come together and worship our Lord Jesus Christ together, I can't help but be overwhelmed to think about the sacrifice that they paid. The sacrifice that Jesus paid, that he was spit upon, cursed, and beaten so badly. For you and for me. Another soul who gave his all. For what purpose? That we may attain eternal life. Through Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you this morning. I thank you, Lord, this morning that you've given us building materials in our lives to to be able to bring the world together. Lord, that they would know who you are. Lord, I thank you for the word of God that you've given to each of us that we can can proclaim the gospel truth. And I ask, Lord, this morning, may that truth march on in each one of our lives. May we share the cross with others. May you give us the boldness and the fire to to speak the truth of your word to the world that we live in. Help us today, Lord, to become the men and women that you have called us to be. Help us to be soldiers for Christ. And we'll give you the praise and the glory and the honor for these things that we ask this morning in Jesus' name. Amen.